study today from Ephesians, and we're going to continue today in chapter 2, and beginning in verse 14. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to look into your word, this very important uh, section on uh, what you are doing today in this uh, age of the dispensation of church, the body of Christ, this wonderful age of grace that you've given us to share. In Christ's name, amen. So today in Ephesians, uh, verse 14 and 15, we're going to be covering today in the next lesson a really, really uh, important part of this that also I want to mention to you that I would suggest if you get a minute to read Colossians chapter, uh, I would say chapter 1 through the very first verse of chapter 3. And if you had a chance to do that, and uh, maybe just have a piece of paper and pencil and jot down Anytime you come across a reference that really connects with the thought we've shared from Ephesians 1 up through now, through verse uh, uh, 15 of chapter 2, it occurred to me as I was uh, preparing this, uh, often I've said to you in Colossians we see this similar passage, and there's a lot of similarity uh, between these two epistles. So I just encourage you to take a few minutes and read Colossians as well if you get a chance as we continue this study. So today in verse 14, For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and we'll just stop right there because today our, our topic is uh, from Ephesians is how Christ has made and brought peace you notice it, it says here in the Greek it, again it throws it to the front of the sentence and I'll mention that quite often that this often is for emphasis and it really begins he and so the emphasis here is on Christ he is our peace. And we almost have this thought of what we say, sort of this uh, personification of peace. In other words, it's, it's Christ himself is peace. And you know, we go back to Isaiah, which of course we read at Christmas time, that uh, he is called, the Messiah will be Prince of Peace. And we know also in the Jewish Talmud, uh, the Jewish writings after the time of the New Testament, that uh, God is uh, referred to as peace as well, as a name, one of the names for God. So Paul says here that he himself, Christ himself, is our peace. And this is going to be, as I mentioned last time, we looked at this three times in this section, this word peace. It's very, very important. Now, what is peace? Now, of course, from the Old Testament background that Paul would have, I'm sure you're familiar with the term shalom. And, of course, when you're in Israel, shalom can be a greeting and shalom can be goodbye as well. Um, and it has more to, it has, it's not just restricted to the lack of war or hostility. Peace has the idea of, of wholeness, of health, of, 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 of goodness. And so when we talk about Christ being our peace, and we're going to, we're going to see this word hostility here in this passage. And we'll talk about that. But I just want to, as we go into this, to remind you that peace is not just the absence of hostility. It has to do with bringing together relationship. And oftentimes we talk about, you know, peace simply in the sense we're not at war with somebody or at hostility. But think of it more with shalom, with wholeness, with health, with wellness. So this is what Paul is talking about. And he talks about that Christ himself, Christ himself is our Peace. Uh, one of the commentators made this translate this way: He, in his own person, is peace. I think that's a good way to uh, think of it. He, in his own person, is peace. So, how did Christ bring peace? And we're going to look at this now 
a really interesting passage of scripture, one that's open to a lot of discussion and different views, and we're not going to be able to exhaust that today. But you notice it says here, he himself is our peace, who has made the two one. And in the context, we're going to see clearly he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He has made the two one, and in, in so doing, he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, this, of course, is an interesting thought. He's, he, has, he has destroyed or he's broken down the barrier. So, this, so we have two words here. We have, the, we have this word um, barrier, and then we have the word dividing wall. Or in the older translations, they use the word middle wall of partition. Now, this first word uh, is for, for this word for um, uh, he has destroyed this barrier, destroyed this barrier. The word barrier here can be thought of as or broke down this barrier. It's actually from the word loose, to loose, to let go, to, to take down uh, a hedge or a fence. Now, if you go back to Matthew chapter 21, you'll read one of the parables the Lord talked about, about someone building a hedge or fence around their vineyard. And so this first word has the idea of a fence or a hedge. What is a fence or a hedge for? Well, it, it serves sort of two purposes. On the one hand, it's is to keep, uh, sometimes to keep out and to keep in, right? I mean, if you build a, a fence in our yard to keep our dog in, let's say, or to keep other dogs out, um, in a sense of a hedge around the vineyard to, 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 to identify this vineyard and to keep out those who don't belong there, but also to protect what is in there to keep it in. And so this idea that he is Christ himself has broken down this this hedge, this fence between the two. It had something to do with this hostility. He himself is our peace, who has made the one, the two one, has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. I think I think both the barrier, the hedge, and when we see the next thing, this dividing wall of hostility are both connected to this idea of hostility. Both of these have to do with hostility. Now, uh, this is kind of an interesting thought. What, what was this hostility between Jew and Gentile? I mean, they lived in the same communities. You know, Paul was a, a tent maker. I don't think we know from the what we know from the culture that Paul didn't just only probably work for Jews. He worked in the marketplace. Uh, they, they were part of the community. They were Hellenized Jews in Paul's case, uh, very strongly. Uh, we understand that uh, they were the Hellenized Jew and the Hebraic Jews we see in the book of Acts. They lived in the community. They didn't live in compounds, you know. And yet, in their personal lives, in terms of their religion, their ethics, food, uh, cleanliness, you know, in terms of kosher and so forth, uh, ritualism, there definitely was a difference and probably a great uh, suspicion on both parts. Do you think back in the Old Testament, the Jews were told uh, to, to not intermarry, to not to not to be very careful in their connections with the, the Canaanites, for example, because God said, well, I know what will happen. You will bring their idol worship into your life. Don't intermarry with them because they'll cause you to go after their idols. And of course, that's what happened. And so there is this sense in which God told them to be separate, come out and be separate. But on the other hand, they were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, a witness of God's love. The Gentiles, a witness of God's love. So in this, this separateness, and from the Gentiles looking at them, 
and suspicious of them and their ways and so forth, and, and what we would call anti-Semitic uh, feelings and so on, were obviously uh, present in the first century as well. And so there's this hostility, especially in Palestine, where they, it's their own land and they are under the rule, the lordship of the Roman government, uh, in which a hundred years previous, they had had an independent Jewish state from the time in between the Testaments for a period of time. So there's this hostility between the two. Now this word here, this dividing wall of hostility has raised a lot of questions because you will see in the commentaries, Many suggest that this is, there was a short, about a four and a half foot, a four and a half foot barrier that kept the Gentiles out of the, of the court of the Jews at the temple area in Jerusalem. And in fact, there was a, uh, Josephus tells us that there was a statement on this. It's been very well documented. No man of another race is to enter within the fence an, an enclosure of the temple. Whoever is caught, will have only himself to thank for the death which will follow. So it's very clearly, this is off limits. So some see this as the barrier. Others say, well, that, you know, the people in, in uh, Ephesus wouldn't be as familiar with that. Uh, that would be something foreign to them. And, it's, and there's different words used and so on. Some say, no, some think it might have been the curtain between the holy place and the, and the temple and the holy of holies. The only thing about that is, that wasn't just a barrier for Gentiles. That was for Jews as well. Only the high priest on behalf of the people could go in there. What was this dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Jew and Gentile that separated them? We had the, the, the fence or the hedge around them, and we had this wall in between. Well, Paul goes on to tell us here, and we talk about how Christ brings peace. You'll notice what he says in the next verse. He did this by abolishing in his flesh obviously in his life and in his death on the cross, the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. So I want to suggest to you, I think the main emphasis here on you take the two thoughts together, the hedge and the fence around, the dividing wall of hostility, I think is a reference to the Mosaic law. Um, there may be something to this idea of that dividing wall for the Jews especially would understand that and the, the wall that hedged in the temple if you will that did separate the two if that's the case though the focus is on and we don't want to lose sight of the law the Mosaic law and I want you to notice here he says he abolished in his flesh the law singular the law the totality of the Mosaic law with his various commandments and regulations, which would be the individual, I mean, the hundreds of laws that were part of that. That the, that the Lord Jesus Christ has, has ended that, has put it to an end. He's abolished the requirements of the law and the stipulations. And of course, we may think also the, all the laws and, and the stipulations that were added by the fathers and the apostles when the Lord Jesus Christ talks to them. And they said, and he says to them, well, uh, you say, but the law says, and so this idea, you know, take my yoke upon you, that, that it's easy and it's not heavy and burdensome like the Mosaic law had become. That the Lord talks about this too. But Paul, but Paul tells us here, when Christ died and rose again, it says that he abolished, he abolished in his flesh the law, singular, with his commandments and regulations. So I want to suggest to you, um, when we go back to this verse that, that he's taken down this fence, this hedge, and the rabbis talked about 
the, the law as a hedge and a fence to protect them, to keep others out and to build a hedge around God's people. And again, based on the Old Testament where they were told to be separate and for good reason in, in, in the land of Canaan. But, but Paul says this, this separateness, this hedge, along with that dividing wall of hostility, if that is a reference to the wall of the temple or not, either way, put those thoughts together that, I mean, it could be a Hendiades again, you know, these two thoughts that they kind of bring one thought together, that, that this, this barrier between Jew and Gentile, the Mosaic law, and remember, as, as we read Paul's writings, Paul, Paul never tells Jews, listen, now that you're a believer in Christ, you can't keep the law anymore. He never says that. In fact, Paul practiced when he went to Jerusalem. He had no problem taking part in Mosaic law. The issue was you cannot force the Gentiles or the non-Jews to keep that law. Is you know a believer is a believer in Christ apart from any workings of the Mosaic law. So this is the wall of hostility, the, the middle wall of hostility, the hedge, I believe that has been broken down. And and then we go to see what was the purpose of this. What was the purpose of this? Well, notice what he says here. His purpose, he tells us, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Remember we looked at that word katizo before, create. It only speaks of God. Uh, when, when God creates something new, what did he create? And, and it is the word man here. You know, the one new man. Anthropos is the word man. And the idea, though, of course, is this one new person, this one new humanity out of the two into one new race. Um, the new race of people making peace, he removed the hostility. And friends, this is the, this is the really key thought here. I want to emphasize that, that, that Paul says here that, and, and notice it says that, that Christ, in Christ to do this, which again speaks to the deity of Christ. This word is only used of God, this word for create. This isn't used for humans creating things. His goal was to create out of the two, Jew and Gentile, one new humanity, one new race, one new person. And in doing so, to remove this hostility and bring Jew and Gentile together into uh, this new relationship. And what is this new relationship? Now, we're going we're gonna to be stopping here in just a minute because we're going to continue this thought. I want to introduce this now. This new humanity is the, the church, the body of Christ. It, we don't believe it is spiritualized Israel. You know, he doesn't say, so he might bring the Gentiles into Israel. No, he says that he might bring the two, I like to use the idea of the two together into one new humanity, not Gentile, not Jew, but a brand new humanity. One of the authors said, a new race that is raceless. And I like that thought. And so we're going to come back to this, but this is what's going on here. And in closing, I want to go to Galatians because we see in Galatians two passages that really speak to this principle. Galatians chapter three, uh, three, verse 21. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Then he concludes this book uh, toward the end of Galatians by saying this. Verse 15 of chapter 6, verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything what counts is a new creation. And so we're going to continue this. And that's why I asked you to read Colossians as well. Continue to develop this more. But this is really at the heart and soul of what Paul is teaching here. What God is doing today is, is, not, is not adding us to Israel or Israel to us. He's taken Jew and Gentile and he's created this one new beautiful entity, this new humanity, the people of God, the church, the body of Christ, 
this new creation in him. We'll come back to this and continue this on our next lesson.